Welcome back, everybody, to the FBC Kyle podcast. My name is Taylor Glenn. I'm here with Pastor Jeff English, and today we're going to be going over Philippians chapter 3, uh, verses 12 through 16, which is the uh, verses that he preached from this previous Sunday. So would you be able mm-hmm. to go ahead and read uh, be glad the passage? To. It says, Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which I also was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude, and if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we be, we have attained. Whoa, there's a lot in there. Your sermon yeah, was really, really good. I was re-listening to it this morning. And um, you were kind of talking about Paul and his pursuit of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so this first question is, what does it look like to pursue Jesus? Yeah, I, I think that's an excellent question. Um, that was Paul's heart. He knew the Lord. He had a personal relationship with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And in a way, he was very content. He'd learned to be content whatever state he was. He was very content, but he was never complacent in his relationship with the Lord. He was always loving Jesus and longing to love him more. He knew Jesus and he longed to know him better. So this is this tireless pursuit. And it's just the pursuit of one that you love. I, I think of it more in terms of a relationship. You know, he was pursuing this relationship. Um, I know when I, I met my wife, Karen, I pursued her. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and the way I did that, though, was I spent time with her. Right. And, you know, I, I, we spent time eating and I, we spent time virtually every day until we got married. Right. And that involved, I, I talked with her. Um, I listened to her, and and that's a part of this. This is how we pursue Jesus. We make time for Him in our life, mm. and then we talk to Him. And we that's just praying. Uh, we make prayer such a technical thing sometimes. It's really just talking to someone who you love about the things that are on your heart. And so we talk to Him, and then He talks to us, and that He usually almost always talks to us through the Bible. Mm. And so spending time in the word, but this is how we pursue him. We spend time with him. We pray, we uh, read his word. And we, another thing that I did with Karen is I spent time to be with her friends. Whoa. So we, we, she had a group of friends and I became a part of that group of friends and she became a part of my group of friends. I was pursuing her in that. Yeah. By recognizing those other relationships in our life. And and that's another way we pursue Jesus is we pursue him together mm. <laughs> with other people that know him and want to love him like we do. And it's so, so important. And and then Karen was really involved in sports. She was an excellent swimmer when she was young. Ooh. She played softball. I went to her softball games. Yeah. I became involved in the things she was interested in. We shared a lot of interests. Yeah. And that's another way we pursue Jesus. What is Jesus interested in in the world? You know, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to love people. So if I'm ministering to people, I'm 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 right where Jesus is. <laughs> and so I, I'm really with Jesus when I'm helping someone or I'm sharing the gospel with someone. Yeah. Or just being there to, to love and care for someone. 
that's pursuing him too. So that's how we pursue him. We spend time with him. We talk with him. He talks to us. We spend time with mutual friends who know him. And then we get involved with what Jesus is doing in the world, which is loving people and sharing with people. And that's how we pursue him. And the glorious thing about that is we'll never come to the end of that glorious pursuit. I know my wife better today than I did when we met. Mm. And we've been married 29 years. But I'm still pursuing her. Yeah. I'm still pursuing her. And the good news about Jesus is we love him now. We love him more every day. And every one of his attributes is eternal. And so we're still going to be pursuing him for all eternity and discovering wonderful new things about our Savior. Yeah. I think pursue and I think like chasing after. Like mm-hmm. I just think there's so much of a an eagerness in it and like an excitement yeah. in it, you know? Yeah, there is. Um, and it's, it's such a cool thing. And I think, you know, you were saying... Um, seeking the lost and stuff. It, and when Jesus was here, it seemed like his main priority was people to come and know the Father. Mm-hmm. And um, it's like that, we should be interested in that as well. Right. Because Jesus, that was like why he came, you know, yeah. to seek and save the lost. And yeah, oftentimes, I, the Lord has been putting this on my heart a lot too, is just the lost, like caring mm-hmm. for people who don't know him and mm-hmm. sharing the gospel. You yeah. know, it's really yeah. been something that he's laid on my heart recently. But yeah, it's like, being interested in the things that he's interested in and kind of also like spending a lot of time with him. You know, I often, um, just kind of put him on the back burner. You know, I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people do that or just get so busy and it's like, man, like there's so many good things that come out of spending time with Jesus, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, just to even be in his presence and become more like him is, uh, such an amazing, amazing thing. Um, so this next question is, does Jesus pursue us? And what does that yeah. look like? When yeah, that's like that? a really good question, too. Um, in my relationship with Karen, what I found out later is I was pursuing her. And I pursued her and pursued her and pursued her until she caught me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she was pursuing me. Mm. She was actually pursuing me. And that's the reality of God. God is pursuing us. And he always has been. Mm. It's this pursuit of love. In fact, we couldn't pursue God unless he were to help us to do it. In in Romans 3, it says, no one seeks after him. This is talk about the unredeemed man, the person who's not saved. Mm. There's nothing within them that would cause them to seek after God, to pursue him personally. God has to put that in us. So the pursuit actually begins with God. God first seeks us. Wow. And then even our pursuit of him is something he enables within us. Right. And so that's a, you know, it's amazing when you think about that, that God loves us so much that he initiated this pursuit of us. And by the way, that's all through the Bible. It was in the garden after an Adam and Eve sin. God is the one who sought them out. They were hiding. They weren't going to seek him. And he said, where are you? Man. So God's always been pursuing us from the beginning. Jesus told parables about this. And God sent Jesus to pursue us. And he told a parable about the lost sheep and the good shepherd and how there was 99 
in the fold and one was lost. And what did the good shepherd do? He went to seek the one. Right. Or the parable of the coins, right? And they had all these coins and they lost one. She lost one coin. Yeah. And she searched and searched and searched until she found the one and they rejoiced, right? Yeah. That's the picture of God pursuing us. That's how God pursues us in Christ. And so he's making it possible. Um, it's so amazing when you think about that. God is so passionate about pursuing us is that he made a way for us to be restored to him by giving his son. Mm. That pursuit of us included giving his son yeah, so that we could be with him in heaven. That's how much God is pursuing us. And he continues to pursue us. Yeah. And it's crazy because like if you think of the weight of just one sin, you know, just one. Just one, yeah. And um, how often we sin, you know, multiple, multiple times, I feel like a day. And um, just even in spite of that, he still wants us. Amen. Like he still pursues us. He still pursues us. It's crazy to think yeah. about. Like, but awesome at the same time. But yeah, and even going so far as to send his own son is just like the ultimate sacrifice Amen. that I don't think I would want to do for people who just con- constantly like, you know, turn away from me. And, you know, it's just such a a hard thing to do that sometimes I can't even like comprehend. But God's mm. just grace and his mercy and love is so Amen. big. Amen. That, yeah, it is. Awesome. It's, it's so amazing that God is the initiator of all this. Yes. But, you know, from our perspective, we pursue him with all of our heart. You will seek me and find me, God said, when you seek me with all of your heart. The reality is God gave us the ability even to seek him. Mm. He's the initiator, but we're still responsible for responding to that, to pursue him. And I would say this, if we're in a place in our life where we just don't feel like pursuing God, and that's a real place that many people are in. Many Christians are in. They're more interested in pursuing the world. Yeah. And you'll be the idea, what do we do? We confess that. And we ask God to place that within our heart. We seek him and uh, ask him to help us to place, put out that, take out that heart of stone, put mm-hmm. in a heart of flesh again and, and help us to pursue him with all of our heart. Yeah. So kind of focusing more on the text now. Uh-huh. Um, you mentioned in your sermon that people were claiming at this time to be spiritually perfect. Um, yeah. Why were they claiming that? What does that? What did they think that yeah. meant? Well, that's Paul said. You know, he intentionally says that he wasn't. Right. <laughs> <laughs> because um, scholars tell us that um, A.T. Robertson and others have said that there was a group in the church there that were claiming to be perfect, mm. and so they were claiming to have arrived to have reached absolute spiritual perfection. Well, that's a that's an issue. There are people yeah. that claim that today yeah. to be uh, in a state of spiritual perfection. Um, there's a couple problems with that. I think there's a misunderstanding of perfection in terms of positional perfection mm. and practical perfection. Positionally, in Christ, when God looks at us, he sees the perfection of Christ. So positionally, we have that, that's imputed to us. That's one of the things of blessings of being in Christ. But positionally, the reality is we're not perfect yet. We strive for perfection in terms of maturity, Mm. and we are to be maturing. But even in 1 John, it says if anybody says he's without sin, he's a liar. You know, right, so it's right. like we're not perfect, but we're striving for it. Yeah. Uh, some of the misconception comes from um, verses like Matthew 5, 48. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Mm. 
And then they say, no, we have to be perfect just like God. But really, um, Paul is saying, be imitators of God, right. right? As beloved children is what Paul says. So the picture there is not of us aspiring to be absolute perfect and then claim it when we have it because we're not going right. to achieve it. It's to love God and want to be like him. To love him and to appreciate him so much, to be so grateful for what he's given us in Christ, which is this imputed perfection mm-hmm. that we strive to live this life of maturity, yeah, to be like him. Because I have heard like some some preachers, mm-hmm. quotation marks, um, <laughs> just kind of say things like, you know, because of uh, the blood of Christ, we are, and because we have the Holy Spirit, like mm-hmm. we are. I don't even want to say it. Just it it feels so blasphemous. But like we are God, you know, yeah. because we have God within us. Yeah. I'm like, oh, like yeah. we can't. We we yeah. Anyway, so it just gets yeah. I think with certain verses, the lines can get really blurred if you don't know the context of yeah, them. I think that's right. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like scary just to think that we're perfect. You uh, know? I had a, a dear friend of mine um, many years ago. And he got involved with a religious group that lived in a commune. Mm. And back in the day, when I was young, they did live in communes. And there were hippies. And it was, you know, that movement. But he got involved in this one group. And they believed in the doctrine of perfectionism. And they believed you had to lead a perfect life. Well, when we went and visited, I went with his brother. And I went with a good friend of mine. And we went to visit him. His name is Danny. Mm. And we just talked with him and said, Danny, you know, the whole point of Jesus dying on the cross was that we were never going to be perfect. Right. It was God doing for us what we could never do for ourselves. Yeah. If we could achieve perfection apart. Anyway, we went on that and then quoted that verse in First John. If any man says he is without sin, he's a liar. Mm. So the reality is, is we're not perfect. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need grace. But we aspire to this um, positional perfection God has given us in Christ hmm. by grace, by striving yeah. to be as mature as we can. I always think of my dad coming home from work, always when we talk about things like this. Mm-hmm. And I love my dad so much. I respected him so much. Well, he worked construction for many years, and he'd come home and he'd have work boots and a hard hat. And Man, he'd take them off at the front door and hang it. So many times I'd go and when he went in the other room, I'd put his work boots on. Mm. I'd put his hard hat on and I'd go walking through the house like my dad. I wanted to be just like my dad. Mm. And the idea is that we love our Heavenly Father. We appreciate what he does for us and we want to be like him. And a part of being like him is, is to aspire to be as mature as we can in Christ. That is not going to be complete until we're in heaven right. with him. And see him face to face. Yeah. And I do think, kind of like what you're saying, I agree, like to think that we are perfect, what was the point of needing a Savior if we're perfect, you know, type thing. It's like, yeah. kind of seems like it minimizes the, the need for grace. Yeah. And, um, but yeah. So in verses, I think, 13 and 14, mm-hmm. he's talking about uh, forget what forgetting what's left behind. Yeah. So what does Paul mean by, by that? That's a um, sometimes misunderstood concept mm-hmm. of forgetting. 
it's impossible for us to forget completely forget things yeah. at will, you know, just to not remember them. But in our culture, that's when we think I didn't forget my keys. It means I have them. I remembered them. Right. And that's what we think uh, forgetting something is, is not to remember them. But this is a little bit different. This concept's a little bit different. In the context and uh, in the culture of that time, to forget something in this way means not to remember something in a way that influences your mm. decisions in the present or your future. Wow. So the idea is that not to let it influence you negatively. And so Paul says, it's not that Paul didn't remember right. his past successes and failures. He did. Yeah. He remembered all he'd done, all the churches he planted, the hundreds of thousands of people that had known Christ because of his ministry. He remembered that. Mm -hmm. Took great joy in that. And it wasn't that he didn't remember his past failures. I, I think he probably could, in his mind, still hear the crying of families as he was persecuting Christians in these towns and having people thrown in prison. Mm -hmm. And he could remember that. Yeah. But he didn't remember them in the way that hindered him wow. in his current ministry. That's interesting because, like, forgetting what's left behind, as in, like, good and bad. Mm -hmm. Which you would think he would just kind of be talking about the bad, you yeah. know, just don't even think about the bad, don't let it affect you. But it's like the good and the bad, because I do feel like if you're constantly remembering all the good that you've, you've done, like mm. that could kind of create a lot of pride and, oh, yeah. you know, so I didn't even think about it in the context of forgetting also the good things that you've done too, or not letting them, yeah. like you're saying, affect what you're doing now and in and the future. That's so common though, because I mean, I'm, I'm up in years now, I'm 64 years old. Mm -hmm. It would be so sad, and I, and I have done this, we all have, when you get older, is to think that most of what we've done for Christ is in the past. Mm. That, oh, I've put in my years. Now it's time to turn this over to younger people. To, and, you know, that's so sad to me. It's so sad to me. We need to forget the, the past in that way. And we need to understand that today we can do things for Jesus today. Mm. And, you know, we need to forget past successes and to look to Jesus today in this hour, in this moment, to be used of God today in the world. We're not still here by accident. We need to forget past successes and, and past failures. Yeah. Um, it, it's really important so we, we can move on. By the way, I think over the years I've changed my opinion about this idea of God forgetting our sins. And I think that this concept of forgetting in terms of not letting it influence your decisions in the present or your future is how God forgets as well, mm. because God is all knowing. Right, right. So he doesn't, there's nothing that he doesn't know. Yeah. It's his nature. It is who he is. He knows every thought. He knows every deed. Yeah. And so the idea of God forgetting something that's really kind of contrary to his nature. Exactly. But the idea is once we receive Christ, he doesn't bring those things up anymore. Yeah. He separates our sins from us as far as the East is from the West. He still knows exactly where they are. Yeah. He knows what they are. But the thing is, that's how unlikely it is that God would ever bring those things up against us yeah. anymore. God, God never, bring, it never influences his decisions, yeah. our sins once they're forgiven and how he treats us or what he has for us in the future. Hmm. So I think that's this idea of forgetting, you know, with God. Yeah. Hearing that, it, it sounds like, you know, that's so incredible. And um, 
we don't ever have any reason to feel guilt or shame, no. right? But I, so many people do still feel guilt and shame. Yeah. And why, why is that? Well, I think one of the things is, um, well, if we first have to f- confess that sin mm. and then be willing to repent and forsake it and then move on. Yeah. And, and if we haven't done that, uh, we should feel, mm. you know, that the need to confess. We should feel convicted of our sin. Now, one thing about that that's important to recognize is that when the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, he is very specific mm. Because he has a specific goal in mind. He convicts the world of sin and righteousness and the judgment to come. When the Holy Spirit convic- convicts me of a sin, it's so that I can confess it, forsake it, and move on. That's how the Holy Spirit works. And whenever we pray, you know, we pray, Lord, see if there be any wicked way in me. Hmm. And the Holy Spirit does. He said, do you remember last Tuesday afternoon when you <laughs> yeah. said that? You know, He's very specific because he wants us to confess it and hmm. forsake it and move on. A general feeling of worthlessness mm. is never of the Holy Spirit. It is never of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. A gen- Once we've confessed sin, if we have a general feeling of unworthiness and shame mm. because of past things that have already been forgiven, this general sense of worthlessness is never of God. Do you think also they can be attacks from like the enemy? Absolutely. That's one of the ways that he attacks. God doesn't love you. Remember in the Garden of Eden, that's one of the ways he, mm. he attacks. God doesn't love you. He just doesn't want you to be like him. Yeah. And so that is an attack of the enemy. But um, And so we tend to hold on to those things sometimes, though, Yeah. when God doesn't. Right. I think confession, too, that's a good point. Like Confession is a part of it. That mm-hmm. I think a lot of people don't, or at least <laughs> I won't speak for everyone, but I know for me a lot of the times that's just not something that my mind immediately goes to. But the Bible does say, like the verse that keeps popping up in my head is like, if you confess your sins, he's mm-hmm. faithful and just to forgive them. Yeah. Um, so Absolutely. it's like that's a part of it, you know, yeah. like confessing and acknowledging like I did this, but I'm repenting and turning right. away from it, Lord, and, and help me to do that. Amen. Um but yeah. So important. David was an expert at mm. that. <laughs> yeah, he was. If you read David, I mean, he messed up. Yeah. Huge. Um, like with David, with Bathsheba and that mm. whole sordid soap opera. Yeah. It was terrible. I mean, he had a guy killed so he could sleep with his wife and they had a baby together. The mm. baby dies. It's just. But then you read Psalm 51. And God confronted David with a sin through the prophet Nathan. And when you read Psalm 51, you see a heart broken over sin. Yeah. David knew what it was like to really confess and forsake that sin. And after that, he was called a man after God's own heart. Yeah. And so the idea is he knew how to get not to to hang on to that. Yeah. And not to let his past influence his present or his future. Which is so interesting because you also mentioned in your sermon this past Sunday um, that God, like the people that God used really were all kind of like failures. Uh, really? They <laughs> all know? failed in big ways. They all did something. You pointed out David and Moses, you know, getting yeah. drunk right after the ark and everything like that. Um, but yeah, it it's like God doesn't require some like 
people who have it all mm. together. Like he uses broken people yeah. to do these things. And yeah, David's response to like all of the things that he had yeah. done, you know, was just always like you read Psalms sometimes. It's a little depressing. Like yeah. he's so down, but yeah. at the end of each one, he's always so like, but you know, God I is good. To the Lord. Yeah. yeah. Like I he's read. always praising the Lord. And you know, it, the one person that God can't use is the person that does feel like they have it all together. Yeah. You know, that's the problem with the scribes and the Pharisees. The Bible says God is near to the brokenhearted. Mm. And the brokenhearted, not just by the circumstances of our life, but I think particularly yeah. in terms of their sin. Mm. Those, he, you know, he's just, he draws close to someone who's broken over sin. If God had to choose perfect people to use, he'd have nobody to use. Yeah. But the fact is, by his grace... And that's the whole point of all of this, his grace, mm. his grace. It's a demonstration of his grace. It's an eternal exaltation of the grace of God. And in the book of Revelation, as we're praising him, a big part of that praise is going to be his grace, mm. how he redeemed us, you know? Yeah. So I just think it, it's so much of God's grace. But the thing of it is, is, if we hold on to sin, it's we're not trusting in grace. Yeah. If we hold on to the the shame of it after we've confessed it and forsaken it. Yeah. We've got to trust in God's grace and move on. Yeah. And it's so hard. It's almost like you have to ask the Lord. Well, you, you do have to ask him to help you with it. Because yeah. it's like, you know, I think the enemy it plays a big part in it. But mm -hmm. also just like insecurity yep. for a lot of people. Yep. Just like, man, I can't seem to get over the fact that I did this or this or this, yeah. you know, and I'm sure Paul dealt with that too. He did. Like, he did. But you know, the reality is this, this uh, our all knowing God knew every sin that we were ever going to commit mm -hmm. before we received Christ. And he received us knowing that already. Yeah. And so the idea is God's grace is greater than all of our sins and it has always been, and it will always be. Now there is a sense that God takes this to a whole nother level. This idea of not uh, not forgetting the good mm. and bad things is he actually can redeem those things oh. and he can use them because God causes all things to work together for good. So it's not just not let, letting them affect us negatively, but through Christ and through the grace of God, they can affect us positively. And Satan may throw something in my face, something I've done in the past, mm -hmm. but I've confessed it and I've forsaken it and moved on. And I can say, thank you, Jesus, for your grace, because I'm forgiven from that. And by your grace, I move on. Mm -hmm. And we can actually not only just uh, forget them in a way that they don't affect us negatively. Right. But by the grace of God through Christ, we can actually use them to affect us positively. And that's so powerful because mm -hmm. it's one thing to just kind of suppress it and ignore it. Mm -hmm. And it's another thing to just be able to be like free and, and like there's just such so much more of a positive, um, you know, result in that, you know, because yeah. there's I think a lot of times I try and suppress things or to like forget about them. But it's like, no, like God is so good and gracious and has yeah. forgiven yeah. me. And, you know, so, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, so in verse uh 13 and 14. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just going to go ahead and read those really quick. Yep. 
And then I'll read 15 as well. But brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and uh, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything, if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. So when he says, let those of us who are mature, Mm -hmm. is he talking about like spiritually, like Mm -hmm. spiritual maturity? Yeah, and... And some people see in this a little touch of sarcasm with mm-hmm. Paul because there were people who were claiming to be perfect. Yeah. And some some scholars see this as a touch of sarcasm. So let us, as many of us who really are mature yeah. <laughs> have this attitude. And what's the attitude there? The attitude of Paul is I'm seeking Jesus with all my heart. Yeah. I am pressing on to the upward call. You know, I'm this attitude of just loving and seeking to love him more, knowing yeah. him and seeking to know him more. And, you know, I think that that is the attitude of a mature believer. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we if we're seeking the things of the world, that's really a, a picture of immaturity. Mm-hmm. It really is. You know, the idea is, you know, what am I seeking? Yeah. I see Christ. Paul would say, I seek Jesus. I long to know him. It's my whole life to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, right? No matter what it takes, I just want to pursue Christ. That is the heart of every mature believer. Mm. Yeah, and that involves forgetting the past, reaching for that, which is before. And this upward call of God in Christ Jesus, such a beautiful thing. Paul was a big, huge sports fan, and there's a lot of sports metaphors in here. Right. But this idea of being called up to the Lord, like the the athletes were in the amphitheater. There was the bema seat where mm. the where the governor, or sometimes the emperor, depending on the situation, sat, and the winner would be called up before uh, this leader face to face, and they'd put this wreath on his head. Yeah. And Paul's saying, "Listen, I'm living for that day." when I'm going to stand face to face with Jesus and I'm going to see him and I'm going to know him better than I've ever known him before. And I'm going to love him more than I've ever loved him before. Yeah. And then he's going to put a wreath on my head, not a perishable wreath, but an imperishable. Hmm. And then in Revelation, it says what Paul and all of us are going to do with those wreaths, those crowns, we're going to throw them at Jesus' feet. Hmm. And Paul's saying, Paul, man, I can't wait. I'm going to know him so much better. I'm going to love him so much more. Right. I'm going to be with Jesus. I think that's what he's talking about with the upward call there. That's the attitude of every mature believer. Hmm. I wonder how excited Paul was like when he got to see Jesus for the first time. Probably like freaking out. I would be like. (laughs) Right. I know. He talked about uh, some of the believers that he had had a part in leading them to the Lord as his joy. Can you imagine not at first seeing Jesus, but then seeing so many mm. that that God had allowed him to be a part in winning to Christ right. there. And those would be part of his joy too. You know, I, I think Paul was still rejoicing. Yeah. And one of the things about Paul too is, again, we talked about this before, but Paul is still today learning more about Jesus. Uh-huh. Because Jesus' attributes are infinite, he is still 
knowing Jesus more today mm. and still loving Jesus more today. And he's still more excited today than he, you know, and that's the, that's yeah. our destiny. In wow. Christ. That's so cool. So kind of to close this mm-hmm. podcast episode, I didn't write this down in the questions that I sent you, okay. but um, what encouragement would you give to people who, you know, who are striving to do this or who are struggling to, you know, pursue God in this way? What yeah. uh, encouragement or advice would you give? Yeah, I'd say first, know this God loves you with an everlasting love. Hmm. Uh, God doesn't love you when you pursue him. And not love you when you don't. Yeah. He loves you all the time because of what Christ has done for us. Right? And you pursuing God doesn't make him love you anymore. Hmm. And you not pursuing doesn't make him love you any less. He loves you because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Yeah. And so when he sees us, he sees the righteousness of Christ. Amen. And so we don't have to pursue God for him to love us. But we can pursue him because he does love us. Right. And I'd say that. I'd say first, just understand God loves you. And just think about what he's done for you in Christ. Mm. I want to pursue someone like that. It's a, it, it's a love response. It's not an obligation. Yeah. It's a response. It's a loving response to an infinite love. And so if we think about it in those terms, you know, and then if we, you know, we might not have a heart to seek him. We not, might not appreciate his love that much right now, really. So yeah. I would just pray. And God is the initiator of all of this. We can't be disciplined enough to pursue him. <laughs> There's more than that to it. I mean, yeah. so we just say, God, I know I should love you more than I love you today. But I just want to love you with all my heart. Mm. Give me the grace to love you enough to pursue you. Give me the grace. Help me, Father, to see you as you are so that my life will be characterized by my pursuit of Jesus Christ, my Savior. Hmm. I think, you know, that, but I think understanding that it's a love response. I didn't pursue my wife, um, for any other reason than I just loved her. Right. And the more I got to know her, the more I wanted to pursue her. And I, I chased her and chased her and chased her until she caught me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's the way it is with God. That's good. That's uh, very encouraging. Um, well, thank you so much for joining me for this podcast episode. It's always really fun to uh, to just talk about all these things. Um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, if you're listening on uh, Spotify or YouTube, we just want to say thank you so much. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. We pray that the Holy Spirit uh, uses this, um, you know, to teach you something or tell you something. But yeah, uh, we'll see you guys next week. Do you want to go ahead and pray us yeah, out? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for that everlasting love. We thank you for pursuing us, Father. Lord, for pursuing us when we were unworthy. And Father, unlovable, we were your enemies. And yet in Christ, you pursued us. And Father, through our faith in Christ, you've adopted us as your children and made us joint heirs with your son. Thank you, Lord, for pursuing us. Thank you, Lord, for seeking us. And Lord, I just pray that you would truly give us the grace to make our life about showing our gratitude for that that we might pursue you because we love you and long to love you and know you more. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.